0: The word of our Lord from Paul's epistle to the Galatians. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For the f- and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also then walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would bless it and give us ears to hear it. Give us eyes to see what You have for us through it. And we pray that You would help us to walk in it. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. We began last week dealing with the subject of the Spirit's fruit. And I mentioned that these are not just fruit that Happen to pertain to a spiritual life, but instead these are the Spirit's fruit. These are fruit of the Spirit, not of our Spirit, but of God's Spirit. The fruit that He is at work in our lives to produce. I mentioned that uh, theologians have for some time spoken of the two hands of the Father. The Father is at work using His hands. Hands have always been a symbol of both work and giving. And through His Son, who was made incarnate for our sakes, He was at work. And through the second hand of His Holy Spirit, who indwells the believer, who indwells the life of the church, He is at work. Let's ever be mindful that the Father is at work. In the world, always working, working to redeem it in Christ and working to bring about the fruit of redemption by the Spirit. He is always at work in this world. He does not abandon it, he does not stand far off, he does not disdain it. He is at work among it. Typically, through the lives of the saints, His people. Typically, through the life of His church, which offers grace to the world through the Holy Spirit. Let us also ever be mindful that His work must begin in us. More than half a century ago, a... uh, British editorial ran an article that asked the question, what's wrong with the world? And in answer to that article, G.K. Chesterton responded in letter and said, dear editor, I am. Now, G.K. Chesterton was a good man. He was a good and righteous man. He believed in God's ability to save a person. But what G.K. Chesterton was recognizing is it is humanity's fault that the world is so wrong, that the world is in such need of grace. You know, a good dose of humility will do both us and those around us a bit of good. Paul specifically says, do not be conceited. Do not think you've arrived there. Do not be satisfied with where you've come. But always recognize through humble eyes that there is work to be done in you and through you. God is at work, and His work must begin with us. You know, fruit works from the inside out. That's the nature of things. Fruit begins by budding and then blooming and bearing, but fruit also must go through a process of maturing And eventually ripening. It works from the inside out as a plant gives way to fruit. It is an outer thing that began inward. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That it is what is on the inside that will come out to the outside. And so if the fruit of our lives are corrupted, or the fruit of our lives look more like dead, rotting fruit, if the fruit of our lives is the works of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, as Paul enumerates here, if that's the fruit of our lives, then we've got a heart problem. And so God is at work in our lives to transform our hearts. And that's why He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. These are not just add-ons to a good life. These are not just things that we ought to accumulate to add to ourselves to be better persons. These, These are the fruit that God is wanting to bear from the inside of our lives Fruit takes time, sometimes lots and lots of time, even before there's budding and blooming and bearing, and even before the fruit begins maturing and ripening. The fruit doesn't just come from nowhere, it comes from a plant, and there was a time when that plant was germinating under the soil. There was a time when that plant was sprouting up with new life. There was a time when that plant was going through a long and arduous process of growing and pruning and fertilizing. And all of this happens prior to the budding of what will become fruit. Growing fruit takes time. David was reading from John 16, Jesus' last night with his disciples before his crucifixion. One of the things that Jesus told his disciples in the context of that conversation was there are many other things I have to tell you, but it can wait. Think about that. This is the last night Jesus is spending with his disciples and he tells... I, if it were me, if I were the disciples, I would be so curious and I would probably start worrying. What is it that he's going to tell me? Lindsay knows. Hey, I, I need to talk with you about something later. Can we maybe get together? And I'm worried about it until we talk and meet. I at least want to know what the, the subject matter is. That's right. Give me some idea, right? Give me something in the subject. I need to discuss upcoming events. Okay. But Jesus tells his disciples, there's an awful lot that I've got to tell you. But don't worry about that right now. We'll get to that later. Jesus seems to be awfully patient. You remember in that same conversation, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. Not just once. Not just twice, but three times. But this stuff I have to tell you can wait because you're not ready for it. We, on the other hand, often don't think that we have very much time to wait. We are constantly going, constantly hurrying, constantly trying to get from point A to point B, constantly thinking that it's now or never. But God is patient. And so the patient Lord is at work in His people, in our lives, to bring about fruit. To bear fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Through a process that takes time. To conform us to the image of the Son. Again Jesus said. He will take of what is mine. Which I received from the Father. And he will give it to you. The work of the Spirit is to bring us into the life of Christ and to cause our lives to begin reflecting the life of Christ. He's working to bear fruit. I think you get the picture. The the projector's not working too well. He's at work in our lives to bring about long suffering. We looked last week at love, joy, and peace. Some translations might use the word patience. When I think of patience, I typically think of, you know, being able to endure traffic a little bit. Or I think of being able to wait another day for that email to go out that was already supposed to have gone out, or being, being able to, to, to wait a little bit longer because the, 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 the meeting's running a little bit later than we expected. Typically, when we think of patience, we think of those things. We don't think of quite what's conveyed in that word long-suffering. When we think of God in the Old Testament... Be honest. Do you typically think of God as kind and gentle, or do you typically think of God as mean and angry? If you're like most Americans, you think, oh, the Old Testament, God angry, New Testament, Jesus, sweet and mild. Nine times in the Old Testament, and almost, almost all of them, most of them, by the prophets who were doom and gloom, judgment, nine times in the Old Testament, Yahweh is said to be slow to anger. And we look at the Old Testament and think, goodness gracious, Lord, You are like always hot and ready to strike someone down. Slow to anger. The scriptures have an awful lot to say about this subject of long suffering. 56 times in the Bible, some form of patience or patient long suffering or forbearance is used. Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit involves long-suffering. Many of our devotions with the kids come from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it explains patience this way. It says that patience is learning to deal with things that don't go your way. Now, when I first heard that, Lindsay was reading, and I thought, well, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. Patience? How is that learning to deal with things that don't go your way? Because, you know, normally I have a very abstract understanding of things like patience. But normally in my abstract understanding of patience, it's easy to, to think of myself as patient, but when you think of it in terms of learning to deal with things that don't go your way and you begin to think, you know what? I think they might be on to something. Because patience is about being able to tolerate when things are going longer than expected. That's when things don't go your way. Patience is about being able to tolerate when the traffic's not moving quite quickly enough, things aren't going your own way. Patience is about being able to deal with people who are difficult to deal with, quite frankly. If we had our way, they'd be easier to deal with. If we had our way, they'd do things the way we do them. If we had our way, they would sit up straight and act like they're supposed to. If we had our way, they would answer the questions that we ask, how we want them to answer the questions we ask. You see, patience does have to do with learning to deal with things that don't go our way the alternatives to patience or the alternatives to long-suffering are impatience and vengeance. These are cancerous to the soul. And Paul, in his list, Of the works of the flesh, which he is contrasting against the fruit of the spirit. He's not dealing with just things that we would typically think of as, oh, bad things that you do with your body. Because he goes beyond mere adultery and lewdness, he talks about hatred and contention jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions which are willing to run people over to get ahead. He's dealing with things that are the contradiction or the the antithesis of long-suffering. And you and I cannot suffer long if we aren't willing to both forgive and bear one another as the Scriptures call us to do. Because the heart that is long-suffering is willing to forgive sins that are committed against it. The heart that is long-suffering is willing to bear with others when they seem unbearable. It's willing to forgive even when it's not receiving forgiveness. It's willing to bear with others even when they won't return the favor. And God is in the business of transforming the heart. Amen. He wants to transform our heart and bring about the fruit of long-suffering in our lives, and he wants to transform our hearts and bring about the fruit of kindness in our lives as well. When Paul is speaking about kindness, it's, it's almost difficult to differentiate between kindness and goodness. In fact, some translations will say goodness and then gentleness, because these two are kind of inner, intertwined with one another. As I mentioned last week, it's very hard to take the fruit of the Spirit and try to categorize them as though, oh, this, these are related to my walk with God and these are related to my walk among other people and these are related to my inner walk in, in my heart that have nothing to do with others. Instead, all of the fruit seem to be intertwined. So much so that some ancient or ancient theologians believe that Paul what Paul meant by the fruit of the spirit is love and that all of the others are kind of teasing out of that fruit which is love that's a valid understanding but kindness and goodness here, they're, they're difficult to, to negotiate between. They're difficult to, to isolate apart from one another because both of them are particularly directed toward others. How we think of others, our generosity of thought and word toward others, you could say, is what kindness is. But goodness is about our generosity of action toward others. Both of these are countering an idea of stinginess toward others and a sort of of bitterness or misery in life. God wants us to be kind and His Spirit is at work in our lives to bring about the fruit of kindness. Kindness. He wants us to be thoughtful of others. To think of them. To think of how we relate to them. To think of how we treat them. How we speak to them. How we respond to them. Even when they initiate poorly. Kindness is about initiating good spiritedness. He wants us to think about how our actions affect them in goodness. His spirit is at work in our lives to bring about the fruit of goodness so that we might give good to the world and do good to others. He wants us intentionally living with a sense of purpose toward that which is good that which is right, that which is holy and edifying. Most of this, as you can see, is dealing with how we respond to what life and others give us and about what we bring to life and others. The fruit of the Spirit is, it it is in so many ways Quite countercultural. You think about our politics; that's an easy one. You'd be hard pressed to find some kindness. And I'm all for a debate. I, you know, people have opinions because they think those opinions are right, and so it's it's fine to disagree and it's fine to say look respectfully i think you're missing something and i th- i think i have a better way or a better answer but our our cultural and societal discourse is in the gutter we can't find basic kindness hardly anywhere in the media Look at how we disagree. How long-suffering are we as a society with one another? With folks who disagree with us, with folks who are fundamentally in disagreement with us. It seems like everyone is just angry. They're angry on Facebook. They're angry on Twitter. They're angry in the car beside us. They're angry used to be at the grocery store, it was customers who were angry and were tearing down you know, the, the, uh, the cashiers. Now, even the cashiers, many of them are angry. We're all just angry. Some people make their livelihood off of being angry. But God knows that will kill us. It will destroy us. It will rot us from the inside out. And so the Holy Spirit wants to put to death what will kill us. And He wants to fill us with life. Don't forget. God is easy to please but hard to satisfy. I quote George MacDonald on that often. He is easy to please but hard to satisfy. He will not relent until the entirety of our hearts and lives are renewed after His image, being conformed to the image of Christ. He will not quit. He is at work In our world, and He is beginning with us, His people, and He is at work to produce the fruit that only His Spirit can bring. Because His Spirit brings renewal, His Spirit brings restoration, His Spirit brings a reflection of the image of Christ when He is at work in our lives. It may take time. We may find ourselves praying that ironic, most ironic of all prayers. Lord, give me patience and give it now. But God is at work in our hearts through His Spirit because if He is ever going to change our lives, He must first change our hearts. And we must have a willingness to say, Lord, I am Yours entirely. Renew me. Transform me. Give me long-suffering like you have. Give me kindness and goodness toward others and toward the world you've made. Let's pray.